Okay, so everybody's looking at John chapter six. Okay, right, you're in John chapter six. I'm gonna begin by reading something out of John chapter 20. Okay, it says this. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, the book of John. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now that's a super um, helpful verse when you're going through a study of the Gospel of John. John kind of tells us, here's why I'm writing my book. Here's why I'm writing this gospel. Here's the, here's the point behind what I'm, what I'm writing. This tells us the purpose of the gospel of John. Everything we read in the gospel of John is to help us realize that Jesus was no ordinary man but that he was who he said he was and that was the son of God and that if you would put your trust in him, your faith in him, you, you make him the CEO of your life, so to speak, instead of you, you would spend your eternity with him. In fact, I wrote something out and there were so many notes this week that are in your program, they didn't have room for it, but it'll be up on the jumbotrons and I just want you to see this. Jesus performed at least 35 different miracles or miraculous signs in the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not every theologian agrees as to how many miracles are recorded in those four gospels. Some say 35, some say 36, some will say 37, maybe even 38, depending on how you look at a few things. But he at least did 35 miraculous signs that are recorded in the four gospels, okay? But God had John only zero in on eight of them. John doesn't write about, you know, the, the other 27. He only zeroes in on eight of them for one purpose. And that is that you would come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the promised Messiah, the, 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 the Son of God, and that you'd put your trust in him and therefore have your sins forgiven and spend your eternity with him in heaven. That's why John picks these eight miracles. He doesn't, he doesn't talk about them all. He just zeroes in on, on eight of them. And we really see this truth being played out in John chapter six. We've spent five messages in John chapter six. We'll spend more time in John chapter six than we will any of the other chapters. And in verses one through 15, Jesus feeds 15,000 people with a little boy sack lunch. There are 15,000 people gathered on this hillside. They're hungry, it's late at night. There's no Domino's pizza hot spots. There's no, you know, Taco Bells. They're hungry and Jesus takes this little boy's sack lunch, had five little loaves of bread in it, two fish. He prays, he puts the people in groups of 50 and 100. And the next thing you know, Jesus is filling up all these baskets and the disciples are going down and they're handing out food to all of these people. Every single soul's belly was filled that day. In fact, there was so much food, there were a bunch of baskets left, left over. Uh, that miracle alone kind of tells you Jesus was no ordinary man. That this wasn't, you know, 
Jesus doing some David Copperfield stuff, you know, look, you know, and then all of a sudden there's all this food. No, it was a miracle, flat out miracle. Then in verses uh, 16 through 24, Jesus walks on water and he calms the fear of the people. So, so he just feeds all of these souls and they're all eaten. And then Jesus says to his 12 guys, I want you to get in that boat and I want you to row out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And they did. They got in the boat and they make their way out into the Sea of Galilee while these people were eating. And when they got out there, a big storm came up and waves were, you know, hitting against their boat. These guys were all freaked out. They're all nervous. They're scared. And all of a sudden they see Jesus walking on the water. Once again, another miracle. Jesus was was letting these guys know in the boat that day, and then God had John record this moment that we would see that he was no ordinary man, that he was different. Then you get to verse 35, and Jesus tells the people that I'm the bread of life. Look at verse 35. He says, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsting. So here's what happens. Jesus feeds these 15,000 people. He sends the disciples into the boat. They're out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Storm comes up. Jesus walks on the water, gets on the boat, calms the sea. It's now morning. Those 15,000 people are hungry. You ate this morning, right? And so your belly's full, you're golden till about 1230, right? Then you're hungry again. That's what happens with this group of people. 15,000 of them were just fed. They're all full. Now it's morning, they're hungry again. And so they're trying to find Jesus. The disciples have bailed on him. They've gone out on a boat. Jesus walked out on the water. They're they're in a different location now. And so these 15,000 people all show up again. They're hungry. And Jesus says, listen, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me won't be hungry ever again. In other words, listen, I know you're hungry physically. I understand that eating a pizza will take care of, you know, your physical need of food, but you'll be hungry again. I'm different, Jesus says. I'm the bread of life. You, you really, you really, you know, enter into a relationship with me and I'll satisfy you in a way nothing else can. In fact, look, he goes on and he says in verse uh, 53, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise that person on the last day. For my flesh, Jesus said, is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because the Father who sent me lives. And in the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. All this to say that John chapter six is loaded with great information pointing to the fact that Jesus just wasn't some dude. He really was who he said he was. These miracles prove that he was who he said he was. This really was the son of God. John chapter six is just loaded with just some great information. Look at verse 60 now real quick. 
Many of his disciples said, man, this is hard to understand. How, how can anyone accept it? Jesus just said, hey, look, you got to eat my flesh. You got to drink my blood. Otherwise, you got no part of me. And the disciples said, wow, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's hard to understand. Who can accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones wouldn't believe and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I say that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. And then at this point, many of his disciples turned away and and deserted him. So I'm just trying to get us caught up before we get into today's message. So here you have, uh, you go back to John chapter two and Jesus turned some water into wine at a wedding. They ran out of wine and it's the very first miracle Jesus ever does. And the people were like, wow, that was fantastic, man. That, that was unbelievable, man. They, they ran out of wine. And as I explained when we started this a long time ago, a wedding in Jerusalem, a Jewish wedding in Jerusalem was a big deal. It's not like what we do today. One, you know, one day and you're done kind of a thing. It was like a week long. It was, it was crazy. And running out of wine was like one of the worst things that could possibly happen to a family. And so here was this great celebration going on, this wedding celebration. They run out of wine. It's the very first miracle that Jesus does. And the people were like, yeah, woo, nailed it. This guy, this guy's unbelievable. I like this guy. I might follow this guy. Then you get to chapter four and Jesus heals an official son. Remember that? And the people were going, man, this guy is great. Man, he not only can turn water into wine, but, but, but he took care of that official son who was dying. This guy's fantastic. Then Jesus has this incredible conversation with a very sinful woman at a well, and she then goes back to her hometown and a revival breaks out. Remember that? And everybody's going, man, I don't know, man, this Jesus guy, he's so cool. Turns water into wine. He healed an official son. Man, he has this incredible conversation with this woman and a revival breaks out. Are you kidding me? That, that's my guy. I'm following that guy. Then you get to chapter you know, five and Jesus heals a, a, a man that was lame and everybody's pumped. And then you get to chapter six and Jesus feeds 15,000 people and everybody's hooping and hollering, man. That's the man. I'll follow that guy. He's fantastic. I love that guy. And then all of a sudden he goes, hey, listen, you really want to follow me? You got to eat my flesh and you got to drink my blood. Because if you don't eat my flesh and you don't drink my blood, you don't have any part of me. And everybody went, whoa, 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 time out. Rewind the tape. Man, Jesus, you were doing great. But this is bizarre. What are you talking about? In fact, this is so weird 
We're leaving. So they're all picking up their lounge chairs and their igloos. And they're, they're saying, hey, man, that was a pretty cool couple of weeks there, man, but I'm done, man. It's like a Giants game, you know. The game's over and everybody's heading for the exits. We're done. This past week, I, I, as I read this, I, I thought about a lot of people here at Big Valley Grace that I've known. I've been here 35 years. People that I've personally known. And, uh, you know, they've come here and, man, we like the music, you know. That's great music. If you've never been to a 9 a.m. G- gathering, we've got a big choir and orchestra. It's crazy. Wow, music's great. We love it. And you get to meet, you're the greatest people on the planet, in my humble opinion. You're fantastic people. And they come and, and they've met friends. And man, not only do I like the music, but man, I love the people, man. I like hanging out with the people here. We got the same political thoughts. and We got the same, you know, uh, morality. We, well, whatever all those things might be. And well, I like it here, man. This is a great place. Man, I like the events you put on. I like it, you know, that we're out there smashing cars with our guys. Man, that secret keeper girl thing. I like the fact that my daughter can come and, and hear something really good and wholesome and fresh and from God's word. I like it. I Count me in, man. I'm a follower. I love Big Valley. I love Jesus. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we get to some text. And I preach on some text. And you go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute there, big fella. Hold on. Man, I like the music and I like all the people and I like all the events you're doing, but wait a minute. We, we don't actually believe everything in here, do we? Yeah. Oh. If I believe that, man, I'm not going to be invited to all the cool parties anymore. If I believe that, Man, I'm going to get kicked out of my foursome, you know, on my golf day on Tuesdays. Man, if I believe that, people are going to call me a hater or a bigot or whatever it might be. I don't know. You know, I'm done. 35 years, I can think of a lot of people who used to sit in these chairs. They're not going to church anywhere. All of a sudden, they ran into something. And they went, whoa, 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 whoa. Huh, no. Done. Done. Look at verse 66 again. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Isn't that sad? Well, that gets us to our text for today. Okay? That was the setup. <laughs> Uh, Look at verse 67. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and he asked, are you also going to leave? Now, Jesus already, you know, knew the answer to this question. Jesus knew exactly what Peter was going to say, but I think it's super interesting that he asked the question anyway. Uh, Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you're the Holy One of God. Then Jesus said, well, I chose the 12 of you, but one of you is the devil. He was speaking of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, one of the 12 who would later betray him, who would later betray him. So here's what I want to do. I got three points I just want to make. Just three. 
Um, and I hope they're a blessing to you. I hope that by the time the words leave my mouth and somehow hit your ears, God does something with them. Because if all you do is hear from me, what a waste of your morning. What a waste. And so my goal is, is that somehow these three points might resonate somehow, some way in your hearts. And the first point I want to make is I just want to look at the question. The question, okay? Verse 67 says, then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? And that's super weighty. He had 15,000 people following him. And the stadium's now empty. And now he's got his 12 guys. There's 12 guys sitting there. What about you guys? You gonna pick up your chair and your igloo? You gonna walk out? You gonna walk out too? I think this is a question that every believer will face multiple times throughout their walk with God. Multiple times. Let me give you an example. You pray and you pray and you pray, you know, for a loved one. Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's you, maybe it's your child, maybe it's your parent. And they've got cancer, you know. There's a lump, but there's not supposed to be a lump, right? And you're praying and you're praying and you're praying. You, you even call for the elders of the church to pray and pray. You even do what the Bible says in James chapter 5. Man, I had my loved one anointed with oil. Man, I went into the altar room, man, and I prayed. And we, we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And for whatever reason, God doesn't heal that loved one. Are you going to leave? You gonna walk away? You gonna pick up your igloo and go now? You, you pray and you, you pray and you pray for your spouse who's about ready to walk out on you and leave the family. In fact, you, you go into the altar room, oh, hey, spiritual leaders, please pray. And we're all praying. You wrote it on a card, man, and you put it up on the prayer wall and people are praying and praying and praying and for whatever reason, your spouse, you know, blows you off and, walks out the door and leaves you high and dry. You, you, you gonna leave Jesus now? You pray and you, and you pray and you, and you pray that your business wouldn't fail. Man, you've tried to build your business on God-honoring principles and you're working hard, but man, you can't make payroll anymore. And, and, and you've got everybody praying, man. You just need to make one deal. One deal will keep you afloat for another month. And you're praying and you're praying. And you get the elders praying. And for whatever reason, God doesn't answer your prayer. And your business goes belly up. Man. And you're looking across the street and there's some pagan guy over there living his life like the devil himself. And... And, and, and he doesn't care about biblical principles, man, and he's prospering. In fact, he's just opened up six more stores, man. And you're thinking, are you? Are you going to leave? 
You read something in the Bible that just bothers you. You don't like it. You wish it wasn't there. It doesn't make you feel good. Man, you know that if people know you believe the Bible, people know you go to a church like this that happens to believe in the scriptures. Man, whoa, whoa, whoa. Man, you, you're gonna get hammered, man. You're gonna get kidney punched. Life's not gonna be easy. If, if, man, if you really believe that, you're gonna leave. The church hurts you. The leadership of the church hurts you. I do something stupid. I don't know. I can't tell you how many things I've done, you know, that are stupid. I'm not a perfect guy, man. I, I've said a lot of things that I wish I hadn't said. I, I haven't loved people the way God wants me to love people. I haven't treated everybody with great compassion the way God wants me to treat people with compassion. Uh, I haven't treated others all the time the way God you know, the way I'd want to be treated. I have fumbled the ball more times and maybe, maybe I hurt you or maybe some other pastor does something that just ticks you off and hurts you. Are, are you also going to leave then? Somebody in your small group does something crummy, says something crummy. You gonna leave? Church goes through difficult times. Maybe the church even splits. <laughs> Been there. You gonna leave? I know a lot of people who did. You see, that question, you, you can read it in like what, a nanosecond? <laughs> That is so rich. It's rich. There's a lot there. And for those of us that name the name of Christ, for those of us that believe in Christ, we're going to be faced with that question a lot as we walk with the Lord. Some of you maybe, you know what? You, 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 you did leave. and I don't know. You're on your way back. I don't know. But it's a question we all face. You see, it's easy. <laughs> it's easy to walk with the Lord when everything's going well, right? I mean, that's easy. It's when things are crummy, when things don't go very well. Uh, that, that's when all of a sudden that question's going to bounce through your mind, so to speak. Or I hope it does. Man, am I going to leave? I was reminded of this great moment in the life of Job. God, for whatever reason, allowed him to go through some really crummy stuff. And it says this in Job chapter two. His wife said to him, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. Wow. He replied, you're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we expect? Accept good from God and not trouble. And in all of this, Job did not sin in what he said. I think Job faced that question. Are you going to leave? God allowed him to go through a whole bunch of stuff, crummy stuff. And he was a godly man. 
In fact, the Bible says there wasn't a godlier guy on the planet at the time. I think there were probably a moment in his humanity where he's going, man, really, is this worth it? And then the enemy will always make sure there's somebody. It could be a spouse. It could be your parents. It could be a professor. It could be, any, it could be a friend. There's going to be somebody who just encourages you to leave. Really? Man, you've been trying to run your business in a God-honoring way. You, you've done all these things in the right way with great integrity. And, and, your, and your business failed. And Jimmy over there is running his business in a crummy way. His business is taken off. You gotta be kidding me, man. Why don't you curse God and die? Why, why don't you walk away from the Lord? Why are you still going to church? Why are you still write, reading your Bible kind of a thing? That, that's what happens. The enemy will always make sure there's somebody out there to encourage you not to be walking with the Lord. Hey, why don't you just, just, just leave? We don't need it. You don't really need this right now. You don't need it. That's why it's important. I'm gonna tell you right now, when you read the book of Acts, the book of Acts is really about this whole thing called the church. That's the, we see the birth of the church in Acts. One of the great things about being a part of a church family is not that you're surrounded by a bunch of perfect people because one of the things that we all have in common in this year is we're all goofed up. All of us. Some are more goofed up than other, others. <laughs> okay, And I'm the chief goof up of them all. I am. And this place is just filled with weirdos. Every fifth person, two, three, four, weirdo, one, weird. And guess what? If you're looking down the road and you're going, these people don't look weird, you're it. You're the weirdo. If you don't know who the weirdo is, you're it, man. I mean, this place is just so filled up with goofed up, messed up people, and it's a beautiful thing. The church is a beautiful thing. It doesn't always do it right. Boy, do we goof up. But it's still the bride of Christ. And one of the things about the church is it's a place where hopefully you come and the world's out there beating you up and you're kind of going through all the stuff and the world's out there saying, really, you still gonna follow Jesus? And it's a place where you come and the songs are sacred. The songs all point you to Christ. The preacher points you to Christ. It's, it's just, a, this is a different place. There's no other place in Modesto and Stanislaus County than a church. This is not the Boy Scouts. It's not the Girl Scouts, as good as those organizations might be. It's not the Kiwanis Club. You know, it's, it's, it's nothing like those. Those might be good organizations, but there's only one place that's dedicated to encouraging you to look here, to follow the God of the scriptures. It's the church. I gotta get this anywhere else. That's why it's important. It's important that you get into a small group, whether it be our men's ministry or women's ministries, CR ministries, I don't care what it is, where there's a group of guys, a group of gals that can just encourage you, encourage you in the things of, 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 of God. There's all kinds of people out there that encourage you to do all kinds of dumb things, but hopefully you got a group of guys or a group of gals that when you get together, you can have fun, laugh at all that, but then there's a moment where you get serious about life. You get serious about, you know, what does God have to say about this? What does God have to say about that? What, what, what is it? You know, the, the weighty things of life. 
I already know what the world's going to tell you. The world's going to tell you you're nothing but educated goo. The world's going to tell you that you came from nothing, that there was a moment when there was nothing, and then poof, there was something. And here we are today, and all you are is a little higher up the evolutionary chain than an orangutan. You're just an animal, basically. That's what the world's going to teach you. And God says, no, you're not. You're created in the very image of me. You're sacred. You're holy. I got a plan for your life and the only place you're going to find that plan is right here in a church that actually believes and teaches this thing. Because there's a whole bunch of these places now where, you know what, they got a sign out in front and they got a cross up, but this thing they've just thrown into the trash and basically it's just become a self-help place. This is a self-help place, but it all revolves around the Lord and what his word has to say. We all need to have people in our lives that help us and because we're gonna face that question. Jesus turns to his disciples, the 12. You gonna leave? You gonna leave? You gonna leave? You gonna leave? Now here's the deal. Because we know what the question is, Makes it easier to have the right answer when our brother Peter helps, doesn't he? Look at verse 68. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you going to leave? And Simon Peter said, Lord, you know, we're, like, where are we going to go? You have the, the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you're the Holy One of God. I mean, that, that's a, a great ending to the story. Think about it. You've got all these people that have been following Jesus. We love Jesus, 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 Jesus. We love you. And then they walk away from him. They, they blow him off and they, and they leave him. If this was a movie, if we were all sitting down at Galaxy Theater and we had our popcorn and we saw this movie, we'd all be... <laughs> he feeds 15,000 people. They're all following him around. We love you. You're great, Jesus. We Count us in. We're a part of you. And now, all of a sudden, they're all packing up and leaving. We don't be going home. <laughs> this is sad. They're all leaving Jesus. And then, Jesus looks down at his 12 guys and he says, how about you? Are you going to leave? <laughs> We'd be handing out Kleenex. This is unbelievably sad. Everyone's gone. The stadium's empty. He's got his 12 guys. Are you guys leaving too? Oh, this would be a horrible movie if it ended there. But the story doesn't end there. <laughs> Peter speaks up. Here's what I think, Jesus. I've been thinking about this. You're, you're the Messiah. Those, those miracles that you performed, I saw them. I've heard you preach, man. 
There's nowhere else for us to go. I don't know where all those people went who just walked out of, you know, 18T Park. I don't know where they went, and I don't care where they went. Where am I going to go? You got the words of eternal life. There's a lot tied up in what Peter says. I want you to look at verse 68. You have the words that give eternal life. And I just want you to know, wow. That's, that's the answer. You gonna leave me? Wow. You, you have the words of life. I want you to notice what Peter doesn't say. Peter doesn't say, well, no, Lord. You fed 15,000 people. Why would I go? I got, I, got, I'm, I got free meals. As long as I'm with you, I'm golden. Oh, I saw you do that miracle. You healed people. That's great health care. I'm with you. I'm with you. I got my health care taken care of, and I got my food taken care of. And then that whole thing walking on the water. Whoa! Man, if something goes bad out on the sea there when we're fishing, I, we're, we're covered. I got my personal, you know, coast guard with me anywhere I go, you know. This is great. He didn't say anything about the miracles, does he? He said, you have the words that lead to eternal life. See, miracles don't save you. They're cool. And God was going to use those miracles for a purpose. But they don't save you. It's the words that Jesus spoke. Wow. And guess what? God made sure you'd have a copy of it. You got the same words. You do. That's why we give it away. That little green bag that went by, you know, some of the money we take out of there, not some of it, a lot of it. We, we buy Bibles. We give away thousands of Bibles. We give away Bibles to other churches who can't afford them. We just want to get the word in people's hands. Why? Because this is where we find eternal life. Because it's this book that we find Jesus. See? And I know it can be intimidating. You go, oh, yeah, there's a lot of words in there. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, there is. And you don't, you don't figure it all out in one afternoon. It's a lifetime of studying it, looking at it, coming to sermons and hearing things. And you begin to learn more and more and your life with Christ becomes deeper and deeper. Look, you want to end well. And I talked about this last weekend. You got to listen to the words of Jesus regularly. Because when that question comes up, are you gonna leave? Things aren't going real well for your life right now. You're upset about a number of things. Let me tell you something. It's this right here. That's what Peter said. Where are we gonna go? You, you have the words that lead to eternal life. Why would we go somewhere else? I don't like the way my prayer ended up, but why would I go somewhere else? I don't like the way that situation ended, but why would I go somewhere else? I may not understand all the stuff, God, but I do know this. I got nowhere else to go because you have the words 
of life. You do. Joshua said, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything that's written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. And when he says, it's only then that you will prosper and succeed, that doesn't mean financially. It could mean that, but it doesn't always mean that. He's saying, hey, listen, when you study and meditate on this, that you would be careful, diligent to actually live it out, wow, you will have a life that will blow people away. You'll have a successful life. When that question comes up, man, what are you gonna do, man? You gonna walk away from Christ too? You know what? No, I'm not walking away. I'm not, because where else am I gonna go? Am I gonna go pick up, what other book can give me the life that Jesus gives me, you see? Psalms chapter one says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. They meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank bearing much fruit in their season. Their leaves never, never, never wither and they prosper in all that they do. Proverbs chapter 30 says, every word of God is flawless. Well, of course it's flawless. It's written by God himself. Every word in here is absolutely flawless. And there's an answer to all of those people that are out there saying, oh, there's all kinds of mistakes in the Bible. There's, this, there's thousands of websites that's dedicated to it. And there's an answer to every single one of their questions that they bring up. It's flawless. It's flawless. Doesn't say that it's easy. Because there's a lot of things in here that are hard, right? A lot of things in here, man, that are, man, whoa, whoa. But it's flawless. It's perfect. Psalms 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. King David says, it's this thing. This is the thing that guides me through life. It's this. This right here does. This thing has got just unbelievable information that God has left to us as people that he wants us to follow. Paul says in Colossians chapter three, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Why? Because it's when you got this thing indwelling you just does something to your life. It doesn't, make, it doesn't make you a weirdo. I think a lot of people think, man, if I do that, I'm gonna be like that guy in the end zone of the Raider game with curly hair, all colored, John 3, 16, that God turns you into some sort of weirdo. Man, I don't wanna do that. I'll end up like that guy in the end zone. The crazy haired guy, you know. No. I don't even know where that came from. That's weird. It came in my brain right there. It's weird. Peter said, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. Ooh. The grass withers and the flowers fade. You die. But the word of the Lord remains forever. It's gonna rain. We're going to get the glory. We're going to get to heaven. And it's going to be there. It doesn't, it doesn't go away. 
And then we have the famous words from Jesus when he said, people don't live by bread alone. They need bread. Jesus fed 15,000 people bread. These physical bodies need caloric intake. But they don't live on that alone. What they do live on is every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's kind of what Peter said. Where are we going to go? Every word that comes out of your mouth is what matters. That's where we find eternal life, you see? I'm going to do this just because we're running out of time here. So, so, so the question was, are, are, are you going to leave? And the answer is, you know, where are you going to go, you know? But there's one more thing I want us to look at, just real quick, because I know it'll bother some of you if I don't look at it. And that's, uh, I've entitled Scary Reality. Look at verse 70. Then Jesus said, I choose the 12 of you, but one of you is the devil. Wow. He was speaking of Judas, right? The one that would betray him. And the first thing I want you to understand is that Jesus isn't referring to salvation here. He's not referring to election here. He's simply talking about apostleship. In other words, Jesus picked 12 guys to be on his team. You're going to be the leaders of my team. And just because he picked them to be the leaders of his team doesn't mean that they were automatically saved. In fact, you see the disciples struggling with their salvation all the way through the Gospels. So just because Jesus said, I choose you to be one of my original 12 and you and you and you, that didn't mean they were saved. Okay, part of being one of my leaders is you get to get out of jail car free. You get to go to heaven. You get the up elevator. No, he just simply chose them to be a leader. This was not the elect. This isn't talking about salvation. Now, what's really interesting to me is the fact that he chose Judas He knew Judas was going to betray him. He knew it. He knew he would never give his life to Jesus. He knew he would never surrender his life to Jesus. He knew it. But he said, I'll take you. I want you to know, man, my head popped this past week because I just thought about that over and over again. Who would do that? Who'd pick a toad like this guy? I mean, who, who would do that? Why? What was up with that? And volumes and volumes of books have been written on it. And it's all somewhat interesting, though you never really, no one really agrees very much. Matthew 26 says, while Jesus was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12, arrived. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And with him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders now the betrayer, Judas, had arrived, had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. And going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, rabbi, and he kissed him. So here's the deal. Judas, this little snake, man, he, he goes and he meets with the, the, the religious leaders and he says, okay, here's the deal. We'll cut a deal here together. I'm going to tell you who the guy is. Now, the Roman soldiers, they, wouldn't have, they don't know who Jesus is. They don't care who Jesus is. So they had to somehow, there had to be some way he was going to tell them. He could have said, hey, hey, Roman soldiers, that's the guy. You see him? Yeah. He could have gone up behind Jesus and done this. He could, he could have picked any way he wanted to reveal who the guy was to the Romans so they would know who to arrest. And this loser says, here's what I'm going to do. He had heard all the great sermons. He had seen all the miracles. 
They sat around and had coffee together. Sat in each other's backyards and dialogued about life. Cracked jokes together. And Judas is now walking up to Jesus. And he kisses him. And walks away. And that's when Jesus was arrested. And the rest was history. Bizarre. Here's the deal. I want you to understand something, church. Judas didn't lose his salvation. He never had it. Yeah, he hung out with Jesus. Yeah, he was called an apostle. All those things are true. But he had never surrendered his life to Christ. And here's the thing. You can come to Big Valley Grace on a regular basis. You can even become a member of our church. You can serve somewhere in the church. You can play piano, sing a song, I don't know, be in a choir, be an usher, greeter, whatever it is. Uh, you can sing all the great you know, songs we sing. You can put money in the bag that goes by. You can be in a small group. You can be a part of our men's ministry, women's ministries, whatever it is. And yet you've never truly surrendered your life over to Jesus. That's the scary reality. You could be sitting in here right now. You could be sitting over in the venue. You could be watching online, listening on the radio, and you're really not a Christian. Oh, you like all the stuff. You like the songs, the people, the morality. You like all the stuff. But the reality is you've never given your life over to him. Never. This was such a big issue that Paul writes this to a church. He writes this to a church in Corinth. Okay. He's not writing to a bunch of losers or whatever. You know, He's writing to a church like this one. And he says this to the church. Examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith, to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. You see, Paul knew, Paul knew there could be people in the church who really thought maybe they were saved. I'm a member, right? Man, I go to Big Valley, man. I'm a member of Big Valley. Man, if there's one church that, you know, you ought to get you into heaven, it's this one, man. I had to listen to you preach. That alone ought to get me something, you know, God's eyes. Paul knew, look, there are people, maybe it's you and you're here but you've never really genuinely surrendered your life over to Jesus Christ, never. And so God, through Paul says, test yourself. This is such an important thing to God that he says, test yourselves. Is your faith really genuine? Well, pastor, how would I know? How would I know if my faith is genuine? Let me give you one thought, just one, okay? And that's this. Do you have a love for the word of God? There's lots of tests I could give you, but I'm gonna give you this one. Do you have a love for the word of God? Psalms 119 says, I have rejoiced in your laws as much as riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Man, do do, do you have a, a love for this book? Do you honor this book? Psalms 119. Uh, 19 goes on and says, oh, how I love your instructions. I I think about them all day long. Does that kind of describe you? Man, I I just enjoy reading this. I enjoy the instructions that are given here. 
I like to hear what God has to say. The great prophet Jeremiah said, when I discovered your words, I devoured them, man, like, like a T-bone steak, man. I devoured them. They are the, my joy and my heart's delight. Is this your heart's delight? Do you love this, what God has to say? King David said in Psalms 119, he keeps kind of going. He says, I wear myself out with desire for your laws. Is that, is, that, is that you? Or does this better describe your life? Psalms 119 goes on and says, the wicked are far from rescue for they do not bother with your decrees. Oh, I got one. I, I got a Bible you know, at home, but I don't really, I just don't care about it. I just don't care. And even if I were to read something in there, you know what? I've already decided what I'm going to do with my life. I've already decided what my truth's going to be. It doesn't matter what God's truth is. I don't, I I've already made the decision up what my truth's going to be. Examine yourselves. Do you have a, and is there something there that goes, you know, I, I may not understand it all, but I do have a desire to learn it. That'll tell you something. If it's like, oh man, you know, I don't, I, I don't even know where my Bible, I don't, I don't want anything to do with it. That tells you something. I don't know what, I'm going to let you examine yourselves. Because I don't want anybody to come to Big Valley Grace or be a part of our church family and, and you're here and you really don't know Christ. You've never given your life to him. There's a reason why Jesus came and lived this perfect life and died a horrific death on a cross and went into a tomb and three days later walked out of the tomb. There's a reason why he did that. And that's because he cares about you. He cares about your soul. He cares about where you spend your eternity. And I want to do all that I can to get as many people into, into heaven as I can before I take my, my last breath here, you see? I want you to stand up over in the venue. Everybody in here stand up. And so, Father, thank you, Lord, for today. Last night was great. I love last night. I love the first hour this morning. Love this hour. Thank you for all the people, hundreds and hundreds of people, Lord, that served here holding babies and teaching our children and youth ministries, the bands, the choir members, the orchestra, those that are serving in the information center and the cafe, the ushers, the, the, the greeters, the primetime class. It's, it's crazy the number of people who love you and then it spills over into a love for their church, Lord. Bless them all. And God, for those of us that are here, thank you, God. I'm just grateful for each of them. Thank you that they would come and invest an hour and a half of their life um, just in a sacred time. And as we go, have lunch and hang out with family or whatever, Lord, God, may, may our time just be really great and, and, and all that. And I pray this in your name and all the guys people said, amen. amen. Hey, Lord bless you. Okay, live for Christ.